We're rolling. We are rolling. We are rolling. We're rolling like a snowman. Into the new year. Oh, oh. that's good. She did a good one. She did a good one. Put, put a tick mark up on the chalkboard. Adam wrote that one for me, too. It's fine. No, actually, I didn't do that one. Just kidding. It's us, Holly and Ivy. <laughs> and we're back with another Christmas episode. Not Christmas. No. New Year's Eve. This is another special episode. Yeah. That is going to be released during the holidays, probably right before New Year's. Yeah, New something. Year's. The week of New Year's. Depends on how I'm feeling. Last year we were like, don't expect another holiday episode. We lied. Well, this year we got one for you. We got two for you. Yeah, this is number two. And it is... <laughs> I was I was setting it up for you. Goblet, not Goblin Fire. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, the, uh, Prisoner of Azkaban. Yes, as told by Adam and Tara and, and Brian, Brian Jackson. Jackson. So listen. Yeah? <laughs> I was listening. Chapter 1, Owlpost. Harry Potter is a weird kid who has to secretly do homework in the dead of night. Also, he doesn't like summer. What a fucking weirdo. He lives with a bunch of assholes who don't really like summer that much either because that's when he's around and they hate him. So, when Harry's doing his homework late into the night, he realizes that it is his 13th birthday. Oh, he also doesn't really like his birthday because the assholes never acknowledge it. But he does have friends that do acknowledge it. Friends that also happen to be weirdos. Friends who send him birthday presents at 1 o'clock in the morning by owl. Weird. Oh yeah, Harry Potter is a wizard. He goes to Hogwarts, which is a school for wizards. There are several pages in which we learn redundant information about our story's protagonist and read letters from his two best friends, Hermione and Ron, who are having a better summer than he is. He also gets a letter and a biting book from the Hogwarts gamekeeper, Hagrid. So after three owls just show up in the middle of the night, Harry has his best birthday to date, presents and letters from his two best friends, and a book that tries to murder him much better than last year. Happy birthday, Harry! 13 is going to be great! Finally a year where everything will be good and educational and normal and not at all dangerous. Fluffy Dinky Dutters has evolved into Mega Fluff as he eats all the bacon he doesn't deserve as the mug fucks watch the TV. Someone escaped from prison. Gee, I wonder who. His last name is Black. That's such a peculiar name. Could it be the same guy referenced in the first chapter of the series? Aunt Marge is coming to visit the Dursleys. Aunt Marge is a big, thick piece like just like- <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you liked that part. <laughs> a big, thick piece. Fuck you, banana wine. Okay. Oh yeah, like I said, we got some like, <laughs> Consistency's going here. We're drinking banana. Wine. My sister gave me six bottles of banana. Thanks, wine. Natalie. This episode is sponsored by Natalie Bottles. <laughs> Thanks, Natalie. Shout out, Natalie. Whew, okay, okay. Aunt Marge is a big, thick piece, just like her brother, and maybe even more of an asshole. Harry hates her, rightfully so. Uncle Vernon says that he must behave himself and that they told him he basically goes to a correctional facility instead of Hogwarts. Harry blackmails Vernon, saying he'll behave if Vernon signs his permission slip to Hogsmeade. Apparently killing a giant snake and escaping a forest full of spiders has given Harry massive balls because he is a major badass already in this book. Or maybe it's the fact that he's 13 and his balls have begun to drop. Regardless, Harry rocks, but we knew that. Speaking of Harry rocks, Marge arrives and it's terrible. <laughs> I was really proud of that one. <laughs> She's abusive toward Harry and even 
though bulldogs are a cool breed, the ones that Marge races are aggressive. So we got two aggressive bitches in the house. Marge has... Oh, hold on. Your reaction was really good there. She like shrugged in the house. Shrug. <laughs> Guys, I'm terrible. Okay. Marge also has Palm a... Palm terrible. Palm terrible. <laughs> I'll take it. Okay. okay. Marge also has a friend named Colonel Fubster. <laughs> Just thought it was worth mentioning. Despite constant belligerent remarks by Mountain Marge, he remains calm and complies with Vernon. Even when she rips on his parents, eventually it becomes too much though when Harry gets mad. He causes her wine glass to shatter, and when that doesn't stop her from being a absolutely rancid bitch, Marge starts to inflate like the gas bag she is and floats off into the night sky. She goes into outer space, suffocates, and dies. What? That happens. Finally, a Dursley chapter that has a happy ending. Harry is so fucking pissed that he wills the cupboard to rock it open, grabs all his things, including the presents and books he hid in his bedroom, and storms out after telling Vernon to get fucked. Sure, he won't be going to Hogsmeade, but a round of applause from a thousand angels because even though he could be misinterpreted as being a moody teenager, that was hella brave and cool. You go, girl. I support your intensity. Harry runs away from home, or a few blocks away anyway, and he starts to plan his life as an outlaw on the run from the authorities with no muggle money. He's about to consider doing magic on purpose to find a way out of this when he accidentally summons a giant purple bus by tripping over his school trunk. That sounds like the beginning of like an X-Tube video. <laughs> he summoned the giant purple bus. <laughs> the door to the bus opens and they meet a sassy bitch named Stan who gives Harry shit for falling over. Then Harry gets onto the bus, pretends to be Neville Dongbottom, ding, just kidding, we're not doing that this season, and asks exposition questions so that we can understand this new magic known as the night bus. While the bus travels through basically the entire United Kingdom by Ernie, who is a terrifying driver, Harry asks Stan about Sirius Black, which leads to discussion about Voldemort, which leads to discussion about Harry, and we learn that Sirius Black murdered 13 people with one curse. Sounds like a chill dude. Anyway, so Sirius Black broke out of Azkaban, and now we understand the title of this book, and apparently there's never been a breakout before. Basically, this is pretty serious. I see what you did there. <laughs> Stealing a joke from Puffs. Yeah. Okay. The night bus takes Harry to the Leaky Cauldron, where he is betrayed by the fucking Minister of Magic by giving away his real identity. So now Harry has to go with Cornelius Fudge and is certain he's about to be sent to Azkaban. But instead he's told, no, it's totally fine that you blew up your aunt. Please spend the rest of your summer unsupervised in fucking London. Except he has to stay in Diagon Alley, but why the fuck would he want to go anywhere else? Because magic. So Harry gets to stay at the Leaky Cauldron, and when he gets to his room, Hedwig is there. Pretty great end to a shitty day. Harry is adjusting to being back in Magicland and free from the mug fucks, and it's pretty lit. While living at the Leaky Cauldron, which was also Fat Bitch Ant's nickname in high school, nice. He spends time doing homework at Florian Fortescue's, ogles the newest, hottest broom, the Firebolt, buys new robes that now fit his awkward teenager body, and goes to Flourish and Blots to order his new school books. When picking up his book for divination, maybe I should edit a sound in every time I mention divination this season? I might. I might actually do that. I don't know yet. 
he sees another book about death omens, which happens to have a dark figure of a dog, similar to what he saw back when he was escaping the mug fucks. Uh, that's kind of weird. Finally, as the end of the summer approaches, he reunites with Ron and Hermione. They're staying at the leaky cauldron just like Harry. They recap what happened with the mug fucks. Then we discover that Hermione was taking all the classes. That's not sarcasm, she really is taking them all. She also has extra spending money for her birthday and she announces she wants to get an owl. So they go to the magical menagerie where they have the slickest looking pet rats you've ever seen. Ron also takes Scabbers in to take a look with all the slick shiny rats looking on. Then Rats is like, ooh, that is one shabby ass traveling looking ass rats. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> this is what I came here for. Go on. I'm not sure that anyone else came here for this. Oh, they came here for this. It's good. <laughs> and those rats is right, okay? <laughs> the rat inspector is like, what the hell is the deal with your rat? Who? what magical powers do he have? <laughs> Spoiler alert is that this rat's magical powers is that he is a dick. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> a large cat slash tiger hybrid thing, however, becomes loose and can sense that this is a dick rat. It is <laughs> dick rat. Do you want to join my new band, Dick Rat? <laughs> dick rat. Okay. He can sense that it's a dick rat tries to attack scabbers. Scabbers runs like a little bitch he is. Later on, we find out that the large cat now belongs to Hermione as, and he is named Crookshanks, which is also my name in prison. <laughs> okay. They reunite with the Weasleys and Percy's head boy. They call him head boy because he likes sucking dick. Moving <laughs> on. That night, Percy is so mad because his head boy badge went missing, as did Ron's rat tonic. Those are not related. Harry goes to get it and overhears Mr. and Mrs. Weasley talking about him. Apparently Sirius Black, the skinny vampire looking dude that escaped from Azkaban, is after Harry and that's why he's being protected so much. Hmm. Harry ain't even worried though. He goes to bed like, I ain't dying and the mirror on the wall's like, you right. It's time to go to Hogwarts, finally. Percy and Ron are still fighting. Everything is crazy because how do you keep track of seven children all going to school? They all get to King's Cross, and this time everyone makes it through the barrier to platform nine and three quarters. Probably because the adults are actually paying attention to children this time, but what do I know? Anyway, Mr. Weasley pulls Harry aside and tries to tell him about how Sirius Black probably wants to murder him, but Harry admits he's a nosy bitch and already heard them talking about it. Then Harry gets on the train, and he and Ron and Hermione can't find a train car to themselves, so they sit with a sleeping guy who turns out to be Professor Lupin. Harry tells them about what he overheard the night before. Then the trip to Hogwarts continues as expected. Ron and Hermione fight, Trolley Witch brings snacks, Malfoy stops by to throw lame insult. Basically nothing happens on this train ride. Oh, wait. Except that scary horror movie scene where a literal nightmare comes into the train compartment and it's so fucking scary that Harry literally passes out. So, we meet a Dementor as Professor Lupin, who has finally awoken from his apparent coma in the corner of the car, identifies the hooded figure. Super terrifying. Then Lupin hands out chocolate, and the children, now including Ginny and Neville, who had both wandered into their car and the Dementor caused darkness, 
get ready to get off the train as they are about to get to Hogsmeade. It's raining and freezing, which feels appropriate after the visit from the Dementor on the train. They then get into carriages that take them to Hogwarts, and Harry and Hermione get pulled out of the group by McGuff, who shoes away Ron and breaks up the trio. She takes them to her office, where Quen Pomfrey is waiting to check on Harry. After he tells everyone he's fine for the 56th time, McGuff makes him wait outside while she chats with Hermione, and then they all go down to the feast where they see Flitwick putting away the sorting hat. Dumbledore tells the students that Dementors will be hanging out at Hogwarts and won't be that be fucking fun. Then he introduces Professor Lupin, who gets to take over Defense Against Dark Arts classes. Then he tells everyone that Hagrid is going to be teaching care of magical creatures where nothing bad will ever happen. It will be very safe for children to be taught by someone who isn't even allowed to have a wand, but can be in charge of dangerous creatures. Super great, can't wait. But the trio are excited for Hagrid because they love him and they know this will make him happy. So they tell him congrats after dinner. Then everyone gets sent to their dorms, and we learn, to nobody's surprise, that Neville Longbottom is bad at remembering new passwords because plot device for later in the book, and the chapter ends with Harry feeling like he's home. Yay. Class is back in session. The trio starts the first day of class at breakfast. Irrelevant Pansy, my nickname in middle school, is being a bitch about the, the teeth with sheets. You wrote teeth with sheets, not sheets with teeth. Yeah, same, same. You sure did. About the teeth with sheets incident. I'm going to read it. Fred and George are being supportive, older brothers, and Hermione is reviewing her laborious class schedule. Off to the best class ever. Divination. If only it didn't take two hours to get there, but at least we see one of my favorite paintings on the way. Sir Cadagan and his fat pony. Not a dick joke. I do appreciate the aesthetics of divination class. But to be honest, I think that some of Quen Sybil's tactics are a bit too concrete for divination. Anywho, Neville is a clumsy bitch and Hermione is a, well, she's just kind of a bitch, and Lavender and Pavardi are Adam. For their first class, they be sipping on that true tea, hunty. And Trelawney <laughs> predicts that Harry's gonna die, and tells Hermione she doesn't have the right aura for this. Yeah, I have opinions, we'll get into it. After things get super awk, they take the trek down to Transfiguration. And Magus class is about in Magi. I'm sure that's important. Magus can tell things are a bit off with the class. And that's when they tell her that Trelawney <laughs> predicted Harry's death. And in so many words, Magus says that Trelawney <laughs> is a few tarot cards short of a deck. The trio have a conversation about the death omens and Ron's concerned since he knows what a Grim is, and Hermione is being kind of dismissive. Next, on to Care of Magical Creatures, Hagrid's first class. He asks the students to open their terrifying books, after which Draco asks how. Draco makes the first good point that he's ever made in his life. Don't worry, that gets canceled out soon enough. We're jumping right in and covering hippogriffs. They're sort of horse-griffin hybrids. Not a hippogriffin hyphen. How <laughs> Not a good. How's that wine doing for you? Fuck you. Not a hippogriffin hybrid as you might think. 
She already covered that in chapter two as we discussed Marge. Nice. Harry offers to be the guinea pig and vows to another Quen, Quen Buckbeak. And it takes a while, but Quen Buckbeak bows back. So Hagrid lifts Harry on top of the creature and they fly around for a bit. Harry does not enjoy this, despite what the movie might suggest. Once he comes back to Earth, everyone now takes turns. Draco actually gets a bow back from Buckbeak. But wow, he fucks it up, and Buckbeak does the most logical thing anyone's ever done in this chapter, except for McGuh, and slashes the little prick. Hagrid takes the dramatic SOB to the hospital wing, and everyone's nervous that Hagrid's going to get fired, so the trio go to visit him, and Hagrid gets mad because Harry is there, and Hagrid does a responsible thing. Well, that a long day. Draco Malfoy? Draco Malfoy? <laughs> you sure you on your first bottle of wine? You didn't start before you wrote this? I think that my phone wanted it to say that. Draco Malfoy is a ridiculous drama queen. After the mishap in Care of Magical Creatures, Malfoy milks his injury for all that it's worth and skips a bunch of classes before showing up in potions. Potions goes as expected. Ron doesn't manage to hold his temper. Draco baits Harry. Harry throws things at Draco. Snape harasses Hermione and Neville. Oh, and he tries to poison Trevor, which is really awful. Enough with the animal cruelty, please. Finally, it's time for Defense Against the Dark Arts, and Lupin has them put away their books because they're going to do a practical lesson, which sounds kind of dangerous given the fact that they've learned zero last year, but it actually turns out to be a super fun lesson on tackling fear, and what's this? A Defense Against the Dark Arts professor who may actually know something? So, boggarts turn out to be something that doesn't actually have a set form. No, it senses your biggest fear and then turns into that. It sounds truly terrifying, yet interesting. When the class gets to phase one, and it turns out to be a list of truly horrifying things, and Harry is getting ready to prepare for it to turn into a Dementor for him when Professor Lupin ends class. He is much more generous with house points than anyone else has ever really been, including giving Neville a very well-deserved 10 points. Oh, and apparently Lupin is afraid of crystal balls, which honestly is a fair thing to be afraid of. Or maybe it's something else. Did you guys know that Draco was a dick? Lupin is a great teacher. He's got an effective teaching method and is actually probably also teaching the students care of magical creatures, or rather beware of magical creatures that are evil than Hagrid is, who is basically making them feed worms. That and all other classes aren't going so hot. However, we do have Quidditch to cheer us up and Oliver does a great job pumping up his team at the beginning of the season. Harry would also have Hogsmeade to look forward to if he hadn't blown up Aunt Marge, but he doesn't have a signed permission slip. Ron recommends he asks McGuh to sign it. McGuh declines his request to sign the permission form. Also, Ron and Harry don't understand how permission forms work. Lavender's rabbit died. Pour one out for Binky. Unfortunately, Crookshanks wasn't successful in murdering another rodent in this chapter. So, when everyone year three and older go enjoy Zonkos and Honeydukes and the Shrieking Shack, Harry has to go to the common room. Except everyone there is lame, ew, Colin Creevy. So he tries to go to the library, but then Filch says, apparently in the middle of a Saturday, no students are allowed in how this slimy piece of shit can make rules. So on the way back, he runs into Lupin. Lupin shows off his grindy low. Once again, not a dick joke. After all, we don't see on bridge for another two books. And drinks a smoking poison. <laughs> that changes the book. <laughs> that really changes the book. <laughs> oh, I was doing fine until I looked at you. <laughs> Where am I? Okay. And drinks. <laughs> I can't look at you. I'm going to cover you on the screen. <laughs> 
and drinks a smoking potion that Snape gives him. Wow, chill, so normal. He asks Lupin why he didn't let him face the Boggart, and Lupin says he thought it would be Voldemort, while actually saying Voldemort. Ron and Hermione bring Harry back a ton of candy just in time for Halloween, and then they enjoy the Halloween feast for the first time in three years with no strange interruptions or detours until it's over. Seriously? Trolls, then ghosts, and now paintings. Upon returning to the common room the fat lady's painting is slashed and she is nowhere to be seen peeves oh yeah he still exists great says that it was serious black spooky halloween sleepover and ah yes it's co-ed oh yeah also there's a murder oh whoa, no already fucking up oh yeah also a murderer is maybe in the castle so the teachers are gonna go look for him and actually nobody is allowed to talk so actually the samba plotty this slumber party, slumber party. <laughs> this slumber party kind of suck. Anyway, the teachers don't find Sirius Black, and also everyone is terrible at having conversations that should actually be private. Perhaps not in the Great Hall with all the students right fucking there. And Harry, Ron, and Hermione eavesdrop on Dumbledore and Percy, and then Dumbledore and Snape because they are nosy bitches. And now it's time to practice for Quidditch, but the Slytherins are not playing because Malfoy is still milking his injuries, so now they're going to play Hufflepuff. But before the match, we must turn to page 394 and watch Snape be an asshole to Hermione, because that's just what he does since he is the very worst. Also, Ron gets in a good burn and is rewarded with detention because, again, Snape is the worst. So now it's time for the Quidditch match, and it's storming, which seems like completely ideal conditions for a sport that involves flying and minimal safety measures. But don't worry, nothing significant happens. Just a boring part where Harry sees Dementors and probably the Grim Witch, if you forgot, is a death omen and then falls off his broom. That's a Harley. But that... I... I need to pause. Pause. You know what I'm drinking? What are you drinking? I'm drinking this sweet wine I got from Wink that I don't like mixed with peach and honey aha. I didn't just do dots of Jaeger or anything like that. <laughs> I'm not drinking tequila. I'm drinking wine that I do not like with seltzer. <laughs> what is the problem? <laughs> what the problem is? I don't know. But that's hardly relevant. So, Gryffindor loses to Hufflepuff. Dumbledore saves Harry's life, and Harry's broomstick is destroyed by the Whomping Willow. Not a dick joke. <laughs> Y'all ready for another roller coaster chapter? Let's get into it. Harry is still recovering from falling several stories and being worried about seeing the Grimm twice and almost dying twice. Harry, you almost died once. If that bus drives that reckless all the time, there's no way it would have hit you. Draco is magically cured now, which means he can taunt Harry for something that was actually terrifying and life-threatening. If I were one of his fellow Slytherins, he wouldn't have long to celebrate his newly healed arm because I would have ripped it off and beat him to death with it. Ron gives fuel to fire of Ron and Draco <laughs> shippers and flings a crocodile heart at Malfoy. Snape is still a dick fuck, and at Defense Against the Dark Arts, everyone tells Lupin what a dick fuck he is, and Lupin is like, I know boo. After class, in which they learn about hinky punks, which shall henceforth be a new name for gay twins, Harry asks Lupin to help him with the Dementors, and Lupin is like, lit, 
But let's wait till after Christmas. I is busy. Hey, guess what, motherfuckers? It's Christmas. And y'all, this is even more Christmas than the last time. Everyone gets to go to Hogsmeade right before school closes for the holiday. Except for Harry, obviously. But after everyone is gone, Fred and George pull Harry aside and give him the holy grail of magical objects. Pull out your trumpets and hawk the Herald Angels could is the Marauders map, bitches! <laughs> it shows Harry all the secret passages at Hogwarts and where every single person is in the castle. So he takes a secret passage to underneath Honeydukes and gets to revel in Hogsmeade just in time to hear that Ron was going to buy him a blood lollipop and chocolate-covered cockroaches. That is so rude. Hermione is like, what the fuck? And once she gets over it, they go outside, which looks like a Christmas village. Oh my god. And they're like, let's get fucking mortal. So they go get Butterbeer just in time for a bunch of adults to show up. McGuff, Flitwick, Hagrid, Fudgepacker, and Madame Rosmerta, who is totally a hooker. They talk about Sirius Black. <laughs> And how he was James's bestie in the Potter Secret Keeper and Harry's godfather. And when he let it slip, Voldy went and killed them. Hagrid talks about how Black was the first person he saw after the Potters were killed. And how he almost gave Harry to him, but instead, this is when Sirius lent him his motorbike. Oh, and there was a little fat bitch named Scab- uh, Scabby- uh, yes, yeah, Scabby. That was his nickname. Because he was real fucking gross. Yeah, that's it. But his real name is Peter Pettigrew, and he like worships James and Sirius, and then and then once it came out that Sirius betrayed James, then old Scabby grew a dick and confronted Sirius, and then Sirius killed him. Well, well, that's a reality check. But hey, don't worry, Harry. It's still Christmas for fuck's sake. So yeah. Harry somehow gets back to Hogwarts and avoids his friends for the rest of the day until he goes to his dorm to look at the photo album Hagrid gave him. He finds Sirius in his parents' wedding photo, wondering if he had already betrayed James and Lily when they got married. Then Ron comes in, so Harry pretends to be asleep, and when he finally gets up the next day, everyone is gone because it's almost Christmas! But Harry is not in the mood for Christmas. He's more in the mood to overanalyze the whole Sirius Black is responsible for his parents' death bang which is hardly going to put anyone in the holiday spirit. So Ron and Hermione take Harry to Hagrid, hoping that will cheer him up. But it doesn't because Hagrid got a letter from the ministry that Buckbeak is going to be on trial because fucking Malfoy is an idiot and can't listen to directions. Anyway, Ron makes tea, which is super sweet. Then Hagrid talks about Azkaban because this chapter is way more depressing than I ever remember it being. So let's just cut to actual Christmas or quadruple Christmas to the 16th power or whatever the fuck Adam wants to call it in this book. That's kind of rude, but also true. <laughs> uh, it's Christmas and we get Weasley sweaters and Mama Weasley pies and snacks and what? Harry has a mystery present and it's a fireball fuck yeast. Except Hermione is unimpressed about the fireball, and so is Crookshanks. Actually, no, Crookshanks doesn't give a shit about the broom, but he does try to eat scabbers, and Ron and Hermione fight about this because that's just what they do. They go down to lunch, and it's basically them, a first year from an unknown house that will never be mentioned again, 
and the teachers, including Trelawney, who is dramatic and weird, but also entertaining. After lunch, Harry and Ron go back to the common room, and a few minutes later, Hermione shows up with McGuh because she's afraid that Sirius Black may have sent Harry the fireball and it could be jinxed. Why isn't the Christmas chapter fun in this book? Harry and Ron are still angry at Hermione for trying to protect him and getting his broom checked. And when everyone comes back from holiday break, Ron opens his big mouth and says that Harry got the broom. Harry's friends need to mind their business and keep his boundaries. And since there are a lot of people speaking for Harry, and that is rude. Oliver makes some good points, stating how would Sirius be able to get a broom and offers to talk to McGuff for him. Classes resume and Harry's Patronus lessons begin. Lupin found a boggart in Filch's filing cabinet, which is also what Snape calls his butt for them to use during this lesson. Lupin explains that a Patronus charm is an embodiment of happiness and good memories, thus it is a good weapon against a Dementor. Harry starts thinking of good memories, and among them for some reason pulling up Aunt Marge is not included. Regardless, he tries three times and gets a bit better each time, despite hearing his parents screams more the first two. But he doesn't give up. Harry is a strong beast. When he tells Lupin he hurt his father that time, Lupin reveals that he did know James when they went to school. The third time, Harry does sort of produce a bit of a Patronus, which is hella cool for someone who just started in that young. You go, Harry. After that, Lupin says that was enough for one day, gives Harry some fancy Honeydukes chocolate. Harry also asks if Lupin knew Sirius Black since he knew his father, and Lupin admits that he did, or he thought he did. On the way out of the classroom, Harry takes a deep breath and tells himself that his parents are dead, and letting these memories give him the opportunity to hear their voices isn't worth it. Harry is a Quinn. Harry's schedule becomes more and more filled with Quidditch and Patronus lessons, but not as much as Hermione's as she is dealing with the entire Hogwarts curriculum. Oliver lets Harry know that he wasn't successful in getting his broom back from McGuh. After the next lesson, Lupin gives Harry butterbeer. Lupin is also Quinn. This is also when he tells Harry about the Dementor's kiss, which sounds pretty sexy. I wish one of those sheets with teeth would make out with me. But alas, just like everything else except for Tara, they won't kiss me because I had my soul removed back in 02. Lupin says that Sirius is likely to get the Dementor's kiss if he gets caught. Aw, jealous. McGuh returns the fireball to Harry and announces that it is Jinx and Hex-free. McGuh is Quinn! Many Quinns this episode. Many Quinns. Upon reaching the common room, Neville lost all his passwords. Yeah, he does what any boomer does and what you're exactly told not to do, and that's write down your password. Everyone passes around Harry's broomstick, just like everyone does to Madame Rosemarta at the Hawk's Head every night. Harry decides that he should apologize to Hermione, as a Quen should, and he lets Ron take the broom upstairs. But then Ron comes back screaming because he found blood on his sheets. Aw, Ron just got his first period. Nah, just kidding. Crookshanks finally killed his fucking rat. Yeah, go Crookshanks. Another Quen. Ten points to Crookshanks. Woo! So... Ron and Hermione are fighting because that's what they do. Ron is sure Crookshanks ain't scabbers, but honestly, nobody except Ron cares about that stupid rat. So let's get to what this chapter is really about. Dick jokes. I mean, broomsticks. I mean, no, that is what I meant. It's a sports chapter. We're going to play Quidditch, but first everyone has to get excited about Harry's broomstick, even Madam Hooch, and then we can play Quidditch. The match against Ravenclaw is going great because if you haven't caught on Harry's dick, I mean broomstick, broomstick, broom, broomstick, broomstick, broomstick. Oh man, this is that whole fucking spiders thing all over again, isn't it? Is fucking great. So yeah, they win by a lot. Even though Dementors show up again because Harry conjures a Patronus and they don't affect him. 
But we find out after the match, it's actually because they weren't really Dementors. It was for dicks! Malfoy, Crab, Goyle, and Flint dressed up as Dementors to try to sabotage Harry. Hope his Patronus head butted those fuckers. Four dicks. That's right. Just like my quinceanera. Anyway, she didn't write that part. I wrote it <laughs> Quidditch was successful thanks to Harry's skill with a broomstick. And now it's time for a party in the Gryffindor common room to celebrate because Gryffindors are arrogant motherfuckers who haven't fucking won a Quidditch cup yet but totally are partying like they have. And it's all fun until McGuff shows up and makes them go to bed because y'all haven't won yet. Calm the fuck down. I have company coming tomorrow. <laughs> Again, I added that in, wasn't her. Harry's having a weird dream that night when suddenly he hears yelling and all the boys in the dorm wake up to Ron screaming that Sirius Black had been standing over him with a knife. While Ron, little dramatic, Nobody believes him until they confirm with Sir Cadogan that he had let Sirius into the common room because he had the password. In fact, he had all the passwords. Someone had written them all down on a piece of parchment, then left it lying around. Adam chose the wrong book to use the Neville counter. Yeah, well, I guess we all make mistakes. Why is it that I'm always the one that gets to write the long summary on the long chapters? Rigamores. Rigamores. It was Rigamores. Who's more? Who that? <laughs> That's a, it's you, you'll you get it if you get it. Go on. Yeah. Luckily, last chapter was pretty great. They won the Quidditch match. Ron didn't get murdered. I mean, is that a good thing? Hopefully, this chapter will live up to that. Spoiler alert: It doesn't. Ron is malfoying it up in some fulfillment of get of being able to tell people about his encounter with Black. Meanwhile, Cadogan is fired, thank god, and Neville is in deep shit. Aww. At breakfast, when he is dealing with his howler and Hedwig eats his cornflakes, Harry sees that he has a tea invitation from Hagrid. Aww. When they go down to see Hagrid getting ready for his hearing, they learn that Hagrid called them down to stop telling them to stop being fucking rude to Hermione, since Hermione is the only one who was being a good friend despite being overwhelmed with schoolwork. When Hagrid. Another Hogsmeade trip is coming up, and Hermione actually says that if Harry uses the passage, she's gonna tell McGuff. Harry makes probably not the best decision and goes anyway with his invisibility cloak. And after a quick run in with Neville and Snape, eventually he makes it to Zonko's and the post office, and then eventually to go look at the Shrieking Shack. While they do, Draco and his goonies come to bully Ron. And while Ron has kind of had this coming the past few chapters, Harry's there to fling shit at the three of them. However, the cloak gets pulled off a bit, revealing Harry's disembodied head. Harry runs back to the castle, leaving the cloak in the passageway before getting caught by Snape, who then interrogates him. But instead of trying to discipline Harry like a normal teacher, he uses this as an opportunity to talk shit about his dad, then asks him to turn off his pockets. He grabs the parchment that is the Marauder's map and uses a revealing spell, which the map uses to insult Snape pretty accurately down to the fact that he a greasy bitch. Instead of getting angry at Harry, though, he calls Lupin through the flu network, who shows up and talks about the manufacturer of the map. As if Lupin would know? Oh, but he does know, and he plays it cool. 
and taking the map with him and excusing Harry and Ron, who just showed up out of breath and not suspicious at all, to tell Snape that he gave him all that Zonko stuff. This begs the question, how did Draco beat Ron back to the castle so far in advance? Anyway, Lupin confiscates the map and scolds the boys, doing a better job at disciplining them, but does not give them detention or anything, which is kind of wrong, but kind of cool, which is also the new slogan for Terra. Fucking rude. Okay. No. (laughs) You're not done. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Norbert chapter of book three. Thank God for Quince, Hagrid, and Lupin. Agree. Hagrid and Buckbeak were not successful at the trial. You said you wrote trail. I thought that Buckbeak and Hagrid went on a nice hike, and I completely ignored that part of the chapter. Hagrid and Buckbeak were not successful at the trial. Good news. Buckbeak enjoyed London. Great touristy stuff for hippogriffs. Also, Ron and Hermione have made up. Finally. Ron has now decided that it's his life mission to help with Buckbeak's appeal. It's very sweet, but you know what is really sweet? Hermione punching Draco. Literally one of the best moments in all of the books. Fight me if you disagree. I don't disagree. That fucker is laughing at the misery of a man whose pet is about to be executed. Which, by the way, is his fucking fault. So yeah, punch that mofo. We say motherfucker here on Basic Snitches. I wanted you to say mofo. I wrote it for that reason. Fair. I make you say some pretty ridiculous things. (laughs) After that amazing moment, it's time for charms, but somehow Hermione disappears. They find her later sleeping on some books. Then they go to divination, and this new Hermione is on fire today because she sasses Trelawney and fucking quits divination. It's brilliant. Everyone is studying like effing crazy. Again, fucking crazy. What's with this with the abbreviation of this year? <laughs> I don't know. Everyone is studying like effing crazy as school year is coming to a close. Also, Quidditch finals are here, and it's time for Gryffindor versus Slytherin. The night before the match, Harry wakes up and looks out his dorm windows to see Crookshanks with his new BFF, a giant fucking dog, that looks like the Grim. Maybe he's not seeing the Grim, though, if Crooksy can see it too. No time to worry about that, though, because it's time for sports, complete with cheating, biased commentary, more cheating, Madame Hooch finally calling people on their bullshit, and Gryffindor wins! Fucking finally. Oliver Wood may not have survived. It's also time that we got a chapter that wasn't filled with everyone dealing with bullshit. Also, the chapter has minimal Snape win. Hey, remember when we said how the chapters are a journey? Well, buckle in, bitches. This chapter starts out very happy. Yeah, so we all know what's going to happen by the end of the chapter. Everyone is euphoric from the Gryffindors winning the House Cup, and everyone is getting ready for exams, and it's pretty intense. At the same time, we learn that the last day of exams is also when the appeal for Buckbeak is, and the executioner is coming for that. So, sounds like there's not going to be an appeal, huh? Exams sound so much fun! You're the worst. Things like... They do! That wasn't wasn't sarcastic. I know, I was. (laughs) Things like cheering charms, turning a teapot into a tortoise, concocting a confusing concoction... And an evil creature obstacle course all sound interesting and varied. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm back with you on that. I don't want to be graded for that shit, though. Some are not so exciting, like caring for flopper worms. But at least it sounds easy. Care for magical creatures. Don't fuck with them. Hmm, I wonder if there's a life lesson there. The final exam for Harry is divination. And it's a one-on-one exam. As he's waiting his turn, he is impatiently thinking about Buckbeak's hearing. When he makes his way into the exam, he kind of fudges through it. And unbeknownst to Trelawney, he does sort of pass 
The Power of Positive Thinking. Latrelawney is so obsessed by death that she's a little clouded over. However, also unbeknownst to her, she goes into a trance and makes a rather shocking prophecy that the servant will reunite with the Dark Lord. Wow, creepy. <laughs> Wonder what it means. This kind of takes a backseat, though, since afterward the trio get another message from Hagrid saying that the appeal is lost and not to come down. But they're like, fuck this shit, and Hermione is HBIC, and she's like, I'm gonna go get that cloak, and does so in 15 minutes, having not encountered that one-eyed bitch before. What a boss-ass bitch. Hagrid is in a state, not really understanding what's going on. Hey, we can all relate to Hagrid, I bet. As Hermione is making tea, they find scabbers. Ugh, are you kidding me? I thought that little twat died. But then Harry sees the menagerie of weird old men approaching the cabin, so they have to leave pronto. Meanwhile, Scabbers is being the biggest little asshole ever, trying to bite Ron, then the axe falls, and that's how the chapter ends. But hey, don't worry, we get to relive all this in just a few chapters. Not all is lost. The trio stand in shock for a moment after Buck Beak is executed, in quotes. She didn't write quotes, but I'm putting quotes there. As they head back towards the castle, Scabbers, that little piece of shit, struggles to get out of Ron's grasp and run away. Well, that's because Crookshanks has appeared because he's basically allowed free reign of Hogwarts and the grounds. Seriously, do the other children let their pets wander like this? Scabbers gets free after biting Ron. Pretty rude, you fucking rat. Ron runs after him, Harry and Hermione following as they take off the invisibility cloak. Ron manages to catch Scabbers, but as they start to put the cloak back on, a giant dog jumps on top of Harry and goes for Ron, dragging him away from his friends. Harry and Hermione try to get to Ron, but realize too late that their chase has taken them inside the reach of the Whomping Willow, who clearly has had enough of everyone's shit and starts attacking them. The dog drags Ron through a hole at the base of the tree, and out of sight while Harry and Hermione struggle to get him. Hermione says they should go for help, but Harry's determined to get to Ron now, fearing that they do not have time to go get help. Then suddenly, Quen Crookshanks touches the magic knot and the branches stop flailing. <laughs> Fun fact, the magic knot was Tara's nickname before <laughs> it was Jacket Potato. Now it's just the name of the daycare she runs on the weekends. It get the hell out. out. It, doesn't get, it doesn't get a lot of business because <laughs> nobody brings their kids to daycare on the weekends. It's a bad business decision. Where the fuck was I? <laughs> Harry and Hermione follow Crooksy down a long tunnel and find themselves in the Shrieking Shack. They head upstairs to find Quen Crookshanks lying majestically on a four-poster bed with Ron sitting on the floor beside him. As they rush to help Ron, he speaks the magic words. It's a trap, but really, it is a trap. The dog, not a dog. These are weird sentences, but, but really, you're reading them really fast. That's why. But really, it is a trap. The dog, not a dog, or the grim. It's Sirius Black. Also, he stole Ron's wand, and he uses it to disarm Harry and Hermione. Not good. Ron and Hermione tell Sirius that if he wants to kill Harry, he'll have to kill them too. Super sweet, get BFFs. Like these two, they're the real fucking deal. Anyway, Sirius responds to them by saying super suspicious stuff. Like they're alone, maybe one murder tonight. Seriously? I mean, seriously. Harry loses his mind and attacks a full grown wizard who is currently in possession of three wands. Dick joke, nope. As opposed to zero wands he is holding, he tackles Sirius, punching him repeatedly with one hand. And Sirius defends himself by trying to strangle Harry, only to be attacked by Hermione and Ron. Harry gets his wand back, but by now, Crookshanks is tired of his fancy bed and decides that he'd like to curl up on Sirius' chest now, because cats honestly don't give a fuck if that's comfortable for the human. <laughs> Trust me. 
Harry points his wand at Grinchbanks and Sirius, convinced that this man is responsible for the death of his parents, but then suddenly he is disarmed again by Lupin? Question mark? Lupin and Sirius have a weird conversation about some unnamed person, then Crookshanks is rudely removed from his comfy spot as Lupin helps Sirius up and gives him a, a big ol' hug. Aw, wait. This is probably bad, right? <laughs> However, many plot twists is this chapter? Wait. How many plot? How many plot twists that this chick? What? <laughs> that could actually be a mistake. How many plot twists is that this chapter? <laughs> Staying it. Get ready for the next one. Lupin is not only an old friend of Sirius Black, but he's also a fucking werewolf. Oh, and he helped write the Marauder's Map. As Lupin begins to explain things in a much less suspicious and terrifying way than Sirius had started to, he brings up the last crazy-ass plot twist in this chapter. Scab is not a rat. He's Peter Pettigrew. Oh. <laughs> the trio are like, WTF, that ain't Peter, that's a rat. Peter's dead. And then Lupin and Sirius are like, well, you see, Peter is a dirty rat bastard, so the shoe fits. Hermione says that Peter couldn't be an Animagus because they have to be registered. And therein lies another flaw of the Ministry's Animagi registering office because only seven have been registered in a century. But there were three just chilling at Hogwarts. Oh, and you can become one if you put in enough work. Becoming an animal apparently takes the same clout as becoming a beautician. Then, flashback music. Lupin launches into an autobiography. When he was young, he done got bit and it was bad, like it hurt and he was all crazy and stuff. Dumble was kind enough to let baby Lupin come to Hogwarts despite other kids' parents, and in turn planted the Whomping Willow as a gateway to the tunnel to the Shrieking Shack where, on nights of the full moon, Lupin could escape to bite himself and scream all night. What a coinkydink! That the same year that the trio can go to Hogsmeade, where the Shrieking Shack is, that Professor Werewolf comes to school. His buddies, Sirius James and Cock Goblin, felt bad, so they became Animagi too. They gave him free range to fuck around at night in the forest and village, and so they all learned all about the castle's passageways and created the Marauder's Map. Except they had an adversary. You guessed it, it's Sirius' husband, Snape-a-doodle. <laughs> One time, Sirius was like, hey Severus, go touch that knob. Not a dick joke. And this tree won't whoop your ass, so you can go follow Lupin. James luckily caught Severus in time before Lupin whooped his ass instead. So now, Snape begrudgingly gives Lupin Wolfsbane so that when he becomes a wolf, he's still got his mind, which to me sounds like even more of a curse. Lupin's like, come on, why can't I just escape from the torturous overthinking in my mind a little bit and go fuck up some cattle and buy some chickens and shit? Not chickens. <laughs> Not chickens. Not chickens. Please keep that one in. That was the last book, bitch. <laughs> okay, that's not what it says. I just don't know how to read. Oh, phew. okay. He wants to fuck up some kettles and buy some children's and shit, which is terrible. I mean, also werewolves, that's what they do. Oh, hey, look, Snape's here, too. Fuck that guy. After Snape's dramatic reveal, everyone reacts accordingly, as in nobody is pleased to see this asshole. Also, how dare you touch the invisibility cloak, you fuck. Even though he's terrible, Snape has logically and incorrectly deduced that Lupin has been helping Sirius, and he explains how he found them, and it threatens Sirius and Lupin with Azkaban. He ties up Lupin, and he and Sirius have a super tense stare down. 
Then he is rude as fuck to Hermione and starts to try to take everyone back to the castle. Except Harry gets in his way, pulling out the logic card regarding whether or not Lupin is dangerous. Then he calls Snape pathetic and he, Ron, and Hermione disarm him all at the same time knocking him out. Sirius unties Lupin while Hermione frets over attacking Snape. Finally, Lupin and Sirius start to explain what the fuck is up with that rat. That's a callback to a previous episode. It is. Get on our level. Basically, Sirius saw the photo in the Daily Prophet of the Weasleys in Egypt when Fudge was visiting Azkaban and recognized Scabbers sitting on Ron's shoulder. He knew it was actually Peter Pettigrew and he knew that Peter was at Hogwarts where Harry was. He broke out of Azkaban as a dog and snuck onto Hogwarts grounds as a dog. Sirius explains to the kids and Lupin about how he convinced Lily and James to change to Peter as secret keeper when the Potters were in hiding since Sirius was the closest to the Potters. He expected Voldemort to know it was him. Except Peter had been working with Voldy and on the night Harry's parents were killed, Peter set up Sirius to take the fall for the betrayal of Lily and James. He cut off his own finger, blew up a street, killing a dozen innocent muggles, and transformed into the rat that he is. The kids are still wary of this, and with Lupin picked through the holes in the logic of Peter's supposed actions, while Sirius continues to blame himself for that fucker's betrayal. Finally, Lupin gets Ron to give Scabbers to him, and together he and Sirius transform him back to Peter. Peter tries to play innocent, then starts whining about how Voldemort would have killed him after showing everybody in the room and reading that book about how truly disgusting, DISGUSTING he is. Lupin and Sirius are tired of this bullshit and have decided it's time to kill this fucker. Peter tries to talk a very traumatized Ron into sparing his life because he was a good pet fucking creep. Then he appeals to Hermione, then finally Harry, who in the end tells them not to kill him. They all get ready to go back to the castle. Things are looking like they're going to be okay after all. The end. I think I said something else on that. Did no. It? What do you want me to say? That I had something that I thought that I wrote at the end of that that I did not. What did you want? Basically something about how we know that's not going to fucking happen. Okay. <laughs> well, we know that's not going to fucking happen. Very nice. Chapter 20, The Dementors Kiss. That's right. This episode is going to be romantic. Lupin and Sirius rig up a strategy for everyone to make it out of the Shrieking Shack How dare you? What? Shrieking Shack safely. I was like, did I say something dirty about you this early in the thing? <laughs> We're going to try that again. Lupin and Sirius rig up a strategy for everyone to make it out of the Shrieking Shack safely that looks pretty sound. Don't cheer yet. Things don't go to plan, of course, because there's still two chapters left for Tara's favorite thing. Plot twist. On the way back, Sirius is like, you want to come live with me? And Harry's like, dope. 20 minutes ago, I thought you killed my rent, so now we roomies. But then the moon comes out. That's right. Aunt Marge is still floating up around in the sky. No, just kidding. It's Filch. Running naked across the lawn like he does every night. Nope. Wrong again. It's literally just the moon. How boring. Except, oh yeah, Lupin didn't take his go-go juice, so now he's legit turning into a werewolf. Things happen very quickly. Sirius transforms and goes after him to protect everyone. Skinny Dick escapes and everything sucks again. Wow, could things get worse? You betcha, because Harry and Hermione hear some whimpering down by the lake and they go to see Sirius as a human again in a swarm of fucking sheets with teeth. Harry tries to Patronus them, but he's really anxious and overwhelmed. Oh hey, plot twist, the sheets with teeth don't have teeth, just a hole. Sheets with the hole? 
Sounds kinky. Anyways, one tries to kiss Harry, and just when things look really bad, Patronus from the other side of the lake blasts all those sheets with holes away. And Harry's like, what? That looks familiar. Could it be? Yep, that's right. It is Aunt Marge. She was a wizard after all. Her Patronus was Colonel Fuster. Plot twist! Harry wakes up in the hospital wing, yet again, and overhears Snape and Fudge talking about him behind his back like a bunch of high school bitches. Snape tells Fudge that he bound and gagged Sirius, hashtag kinky af, and brought him back up to the castle along with the trio. Harry tries to tell Madame Pomfrey he needs to speak to Dumbledore, and she does her usual thing of telling him he needs to rest and not caring about urgent information and getting to the headmaster of the school. Harry and Hermione both try telling Fudge the truth about Sirius, and Snape just plays it off as them having been confounded. You know, because he's a dick. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Always. Madame Pomfrey. Always. <laughs> If you don't understand that joke, stop listening immediately. <laughs> Madame Pomfrey shoves a giant chunk of chocolate in Harry's mouth to shut him up. I mean, this would totally work on me. Dumbledore comes in and tells everyone to get the fuck out. Then he starts speaking in riddles to Harry and Hermione. Hermione totally gets what he's saying, but Harry is just confused af, as per usual. Once Dumbledore leaves, Hermione pulls out a time machine a little bit smaller than a DeLorean, and they travel back in time. Harry and Hermione realize they're supposed to rescue Buckbeak so that they can rescue Sirius. Then they go watch their previous selves go down to Hagrid's hut and wait for the animal murderers to see Buckbeak before they can save him. Harry mentions that this is the weirdest thing they've ever done, which is questionable. Harry continuously tries to break the time-space continuum by interfering, and Hermione has to constantly remind him that that's not okay. Harry has clearly never seen back to the future. Harry and Hermione then wait for the last four chapters to play out before they can do anything else. Harry mentions to Hermione that he thinks it was his dad who saved them. Hermione reminds Harry that his dad is dead, just in case he had forgotten. Harry goes and waits for Daddy to show up, before suddenly realizing that he is Daddy. Harry and Hermione then fly Buckbeak up to where Sirius is being held, and he flies off into the distance with Buckbeak. Sirius is alive and well. For now. Harry and Hermione have ten minutes to get back to the hospital wing. This should be no time at all since Hermione got to one-eyed dick witch in fifteen minutes from the Gryffindor common room. They encounter Fudge Packer, Fudge Pack, and Snape and Peeves. Not that Fudge Packer was Fudge Pack and Peeves, too. Those two are separate. But get back just in time. Then they start packing fudge in the mouth holes per Pomfrey's orders. And hear another howl. No, not Hagrid this time. Snape's and girl, he mad. He comes back down screaming that Sirius escaped because of Harry. Looks like Snape is the one who deserves to be suspended at this point. His unprofessionalism has gone way too far, has it? Just wait. Fudgepacker is there too, only for the sole purposes of announcing that he'll be making the sheets with a hole go away. Pomfrey basically bitch slaps Snape out of her hospital wing, and Hermione and Harry tell Ron everything that happened when he comes to. The next day, Hagrid's like, Buckbeak escaped! And the trio are like, we been new. He's also like, Lupin's a werewolf! And they're like, we've been new! But you know else who been new? All of the Slytherins, because Snape let the wolf out of the bag. Whoop! There it is! Also, Lupin resigns, so Harry goes to see him. Lupin is chill as usual, basically saying that when the news goes out, no parents will want a werewolf teaching their children, and last night served as a reason enough that he shouldn't be. He gives Harry the Marauder's Map back and the Invisibility Cloak. Lupin is the shit. Dumbled comes by to sadly bid him farewell with the rest of us. Harry is a sad panda, and Dumble's like, cheer up, buttercup, but he's like, I can't, skinny dick isn't dead. To which Dumble responds by looking down his pants, and then being like, oh, you meant Pettigrew. 
To which he actually responds by saying, Hey, don't worry, Trelawney made a prediction, which is cool, sort of. And now you have this special bond with Skinny Dick, because you saved him. And hey, one day you'll be glad you saved him. Also, your Patronus is a deer, just like what your dad turned into. That's cool, huh? You found a piece of your dad inside you. Wish I could find my dad. There's all these other rumors. Blah, blah, D Draco's butt hurt, Percy wants police reform. We are all Percy for once. And they get back on the Hogwarts Express. <sighs> Another year down. Oh, but wait, a cute little owl is like, hey, mail for Harry Pot Pot. And guess what? It's from Sirius. He's like, chill, I'm okay, but I ain't tell you where I is. Just had to tell you that I gave you that cool broom. Also, I give you permission to go to Hogsmeade. Also, text me whenever. Hedwig knows my number. Also, give Ron this owl. What? <laughs> so alas, Harry goes to live with the mug fucks again, but this time with the knowledge that his godfather is a murderer. Stay tuned for season four of Basic Snitches, Harry Potter and the year when the Dursley's house finally blew up just like that dumb bitch Marge. Yeah, I had to end this book with mentioning Marge again. Sue me. Five, four, three, two, one. Yay! <laughs> Countdown to the rest of the time until the new year. I don't know how much time that will be. Th plus three days! <laughs> so, I, I was like, what do we do after the countdown? She was like, I'll say something. I thought she was just going to stop it. Yay! <laughs> Maybe this episode will be released a couple days before the new year? Maybe. Hang on. Let or me a couple look days at my... after? This is episode... So we were counting down to the new year. To the death of 2020. To the death of 2020. And yes. so if this is released before, it's countdown plus however many days before the yeah. new year. And then if it's after... How many days minus? It could be either. Negative? Because 12... Numbers are hard. 12.30 is when it's supposed to go, but you know how it is. So it might be 12.31. You know how it is. It's called Tara's a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any New Year's resolutions? Like, actually publish the episode <clears> that time? <laughs> yeah, that's a goal. Really, it's just about taking the time to do that. I don't know. I don't have any New Year's resolutions right now. Well, you got a day. Yeah, maybe out. tomorrow. Or or a couple hours or negative days. <laughs> or maybe I'll figure it out in February. Oh, that's true. Who knows? Guess what, everybody? You can commit to make a change in your life any day of the fucking year. And that is... The tea. The tea. <laughs> <laughs> that is inspirational messages from Adam Bowers. Look out for my new book, available on iTunes. <laughs> I have a great... Drunk gear. No. You, mm. <laughs> Make sure you drink a lot of champagne and celebrate the death of 2020. Bye, 2020, you bitch. Bye, you, uh, you stupid. You, yeah, you're stupid. See you next week. Basic Snitches is recorded and produced by Adam Bowers and Tara Corkery. Edited by me, Adam Bowers. And published by me, Tara Corkery, and available wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening. Please review and rate us five stars on your app of choice, and be sure to share us to all of your other friends who love Harry Potter and getting drunk. Oh, don't forget to follow us on social media. Sometimes I update that. Basic Snitches on Instagram. Also, we have a Facebook page. And email us anything you want to or specifically answers to our questions on our segments. BasicSnitches at gmail.com. But don't send us dick pics, please. That's nasty. But do send us liquor. Thanks. Yeah. Aloha, Mora. Oh, now people can get into your house. They're on their toe. But they don't matter because now you're a water goblin. Bye. Bye.